0: All right, Titus 1. Let's open with a word of prayer. We'll do some review and get into the text. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a faithful God a gracious God, a merciful God. As we go to your word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, not the words of man, but the word of God would go forth with power. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. We pray for anybody who's new today that they would feel welcomed and loved. We pray for the many that are watching on live stream. We love them as well. May you bless them, Lord. Again, be glorified today. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, so if you've been here for the last several weeks, First and 2 Timothy and Titus are what are called pastoral epistles. They were written by the Apostle Paul to younger pastors in areas where he had helped plant churches and they were now pastoring churches. And he's giving them instruction on how the church should operate. You know, it's been said that no one is more miserable Than a pastor without vision, without understanding of what the church is called to be. And there are a lot of them out there that have no idea what the church is called to be. And when you're going through difficult times, do you think pastors have had difficulty this year? 2020, a lot of them struggle as to whether or not they should open up their churches. Some of them struggle, you know, and they'll they'll attack those who open them as saying they don't care about their people's health. And the people that have them open say, well, we care more about their eternity. But here's the reality. It's not an easy thing to be the pastor sometimes. And so in Timothy's case, he was in Ephesus. We know in Timothy 2, they were feeding Christians to lions. They were setting Christians on fire. And he told them, "Could keep having church. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And now as he comes to Titus, Titus is not in Ephesus, he's on the island of Crete. And as we talked about last week, we'll talk a little bit more about today, Crete to be a Cretan, even now people say you're a Cretan, it, it means you know, that you're, you're, you're somebody who is unholy or evil or ungodly, you're a liar, you're a thief. It was literally a curse word that was used about people. So if someone called you a Cretan, it was a put down. So Titus is pastoring a church in Crete. And he gets a letter from the Apostle Paul, because at that time the church was being overrun with false teachers. We'll talk about this this morning. Some who were Judaizers. The Judaizers were the ones who said, Jesus isn't enough. You got to become a Jew too. You got to keep all the Jewish rites. You got to do circumcision. You got to keep all the laws. Plus, add Jesus to that. And then and only then do you become a Christian. So, this letter that is written by the Apostle Paul. He's instructing him on what the church should look like, how the church should operate. Chapter one, he talks about, you know, again, what, how the church, the, the belief that we have. And then in chapters two and three, how, how then should we behave? And he's giving an outline for the church. So if you were not here last week, I'm gonna take just a moment to review what we looked at last week. If you have your outline, grab it. Tell the message, getting the church in order, protection of sound doctrine. First, By preaching God's word. Guys, it's not a church if they don't preach God's word. Can I get an amen? If they are doing uh, programs and they're entertaining and they're not opening up the Bible because faith comes by hearing and hearing by... Word of God, nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. Amen. So truth pertaining. He said that by preaching truth is made manifest. It's he manifests his word through preaching. He doesn't manifest his word through potlucks. Can I get an amen? Nothing wrong with potlucks. He doesn't manifest his word through politics. Can I get an amen to that? What he manifests his word through is the preaching of the whole counsel of God. And he was reminding Titus when there's all these temptations to, to, to be drawn away in different directions that it needs to be the word of God. He said, preach the word, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching because there was a time coming when people who called themselves Christians would not endure sound doctrine. So not only was he to preach the word, but he was overseeing several churches in Crete and he was to set up, he was to raise up pastors who would be teaching the word. He was to disciple them and raise them up. And we saw the qualifications for pastors last week, but this, these are not just qualifications for pastors. It should be the heart of every Christian. Can I get an amen to that? These are minimum requirements for somebody serving in ministry, but they are things that every Christian should desire. Really quickly, he said of pastors, they need to be blameless. Blameless means without accusation from the outside. When somebody hears your name, they don't say, oh, that's the person who's a gossip or a liar, or that's the person who cheated on his wife, or that's the guy who's a drunkard. It needs to be something where when they introduce you that... And they say, well, this is my pastor. People don't gasp. Or if you take them through their neighborhood, the the people say that's about right. Doesn't mean they're sinless because there'd be no pastors. Can I get an amen? But it should be a heart of every Christian. Secondly, husband of one wife. He needs to be a one woman man devoted to his wife, not looking around, not flirtatious. Some have said, you know, husband of one wife means he can't have been divorced. That's inaccurate because there were people at that time who had multiple wives. So obviously not only does it say that he needs to be married to one woman, but he needs to be a one woman man who has eyes only for his wife. That's easy for me because my wife's the most beautiful person on the planet. So that's pretty easy. But here's the reality. That's what should be the heart of every believer. Can I get an amen to that? And then it says, having children not accused of dissipation or insubordination. And does it mean your kids aren't rebellious? Because then again, everybody would be out of the ministry. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because the reality is, you're gonna go through difficult times as you raise your children, especially through certain years. But it's how do you respond when your kids are walking in disobedience? Do you just let it go? Do you encourage it? Do you say nothing? Or are you the spirit, spiritual leader in your household that brings correction? I had this conversation with Pastor Chuck years ago, when it says, "How can a man rule in the you know rule if a man cannot rule in his own house? How can he rule in the church?" He said the word to rule there means to govern. So a good governor doesn't mean there's never crime in a state, but how does he respond to it? So godly moms and dads, again, pr- prerequisite for pastors. He can't have kids running wild and he's just letting it go. He needs to deal with it. And that's biblical. And even if his kids are in rebellion, that's between them and the Lord. But he steps up to, to, uh, to you know, bring correction. And that should be true of every Christian family. You know what? I want to encourage you with something. Your kids have enough friends. They don't need friends. They need parents. Can I get any men to that? They need moms and dads who will correct them when they need it and love them enough to raise them up in the way of the Lord. It says that, it, that they're also a steward. Uh, this, speaking of pastors and those who lead in ministry, it, a steward is someone who owns nothing but is faithful with, with what he's been given to manage by his master. And that's exactly what a pastor is called to do. It's not about him. It's about the Lord. He's not to be self-willed, not self-pleasing, not arrogant, not overbearing. He's called to be a servant, not a dictator. I've seen churches where the pastor is like a dictator. If you're afraid of the pastor, go find another church. Can I get an amen to that? And there are churches where pastors are just, they're they're arrogant and they're dictated. That's not biblical. That is not reflecting the heart of our Savior. Amen? And it says, not quick-tempered. Shouldn't be uh, somebody who's easily inflamed, uh, but someone who's calm in his responses. He's not given to wine. He's not a drunkard. He's not under the influence of anything. Uh, Has the Holy Spirit. Guys, they call alcohol spirits. We don't need spirits. We have the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy spirit says in Proverbs 23, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaints, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of the eyes, those that linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Nobody ever went out and got drunk and made a bunch of good decisions. Can I get an amen? Not violent. The word literally means not a striker. He's one who abstains from fighting. If your pastor's in the parking lot brawling after church, probably time to find another church. Not greedy for money, which means not covetous, not materialistic. Again, he's not in the ministry for the money. Sadly, there are many who are. So what he isn't, he isn't self-willed. He's not a drunkard. He's not quick-tempered. He's not violent. He's not greedy. What he is, he's hospitable. It means he opens his home. But more importantly, it means he loves people. I have several pastor friends of mine that tell me their worst hour of their week is as soon as he says amen at the end of the message, because now he's got to talk to people. And I had a friend who said, I love the ministry. It just If it wasn't for the people. And I'm like, you got to understand. It's like someone saying, I love sheep. I want to be a shepherd, but I hate sheep. Can I get an amen to that? So he needs to love people. He needs to be a lover of what is good. Wants no part of that which is ungodly or evil. Pursues what is wholesome in his friendships, in his behavior, and in his entertainment. By the way, as Christians, be careful what you entertain yourself with. Can I get an Amen. Bad company corrupts good morals, and sometimes it's the stuff we entertain ourselves with. Says he's sober-minded, that means he takes it seriously what he's doing. Again, I said last week, there's nothing wrong with a sense of humor. That can be a natural thing. But you don't want somebody who's a clown. Can I get an amen? I use the analogy, if my surgeon comes in and tells me a joke before he puts me under, I'm okay with that. If he rides in on a unicycle and a clown outfit, give me another surgeon. Can I get an amen? And the reality is, a pastor should take it seriously, because this is eternity that we're talking about. Amen? Not only is he sober-minded, but he's just. Just just means a man of integrity who is faithful and sticks by his word. He practices what he preaches. His yeses are yes, and his noes are noes. He's holy. The root meaning there is different. Why were they attracted attracted to Jesus? Because he was different. Amen. And we live in a time right now where I have more pastors and more people in ministry telling me we need to be more like the world so we can reach them. No, we need to be more like Jesus so the world will see that something is different. Can I get an amen? So holy means different. And again, lives a righteous, godly, and set-apart life. He's not sinless. Again, everybody be disqualified, but we should sin less. This is, these are true for all of us as Christians. These are minimum requirements for pastors. Self-controlled. He's not dominated by uh, the desires of the flesh. He exercises godly discipline. And then finally, he holds fast to the word of God. I have another pastor friend of mine that I've known for years. And every time he reads a book, he has a whole new vision for his church. Every time I call him, oh, I read this book. I've got a whole new fresh vision for our church. I'm like, the vision doesn't change because the word doesn't change. Can I get an amen? We don't need a fresh vision. Just teach the Bible. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It also says of pastors to be faithful to one's calling, he must work. Again, he watches out for false teachers. He remains faithful in the midst of being attacked. He 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 seeks to find the lost. He makes sure that the sheep are well fed to keep them fed with healthy green grass and to steer them away from poison. Amen. So faithful shepherd both feeds and protects the sheep. He calling he cannot uh, a calling. He cannot fulfill if he is not a man called by God with the character of God filled with the Holy Spirit. It's scary to me that I see this often. Somebody will get saved and they're, they're famous. You know, maybe it's Kanye West or somebody else, right? And then immediately, and pray for Kanye. God bless him. I, I think he's saved. Praise God. But the point I'm making is, only God knows, but the point I'm making is sometimes they'll take someone famous, they'll get saved, and then they'll put them up in a pulpit two weeks later because they think they can draw a crowd. Lay hands on no man quickly. Can I get an amen to that? And we want to make sure they're people of godly character and spiritual maturity. And again, it's important that we not be caught up with celebrity and the things of the world and try to attract a crowd that way. So point number one, again, of Titus there, biblical truth by preaching God's word. Number number two there, by raising up godly pastors and leaders. And we'll notice again, 15 qualifications for a pastor, 14 speak of character, only one speaks of gifting. And often we're enamored by gifting. We're enamored by someone who's charismatic. Give me somebody who's got godly character and let's help them grow in their teaching rather than somebody who's really gifted and charismatic whose character is a mess. Can I get an amen to that? So now, as we come to the end of chapter one, this is what we'll look at this morning. By silencing false teachers, those who preach a false gospel, those who seek to draw people away from the truth, idle talk, deception, and legalism, and we're going to see that again, uh, that that is pre- was prevalent in the church in Crete, and there's nothing new under the sun. So let's begin there in verse 10, as we pick up where we left off last week, getting the church in order by silencing the false teacher. So he's just told Titus, that you need, uh, you manifest the word of God by preaching it. So preach the word, Tim, uh, Titus, excuse me, not Timothy. And he, then he says, and raise up godly pastors, raise up elders and leaders in every church that are scattered around this island. The island of Crete was 50 miles by 130 miles. So it's big enough. There were multiple churches, most of which in those days met in houses. So he says, for there are many insubordinate both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. So he says for, you know, when you see for, therefore, you say, what's it there for? He's saying in light of what I just told you, here's why. Because there are, People who are insubordinate because there are deceivers and false teachers. You need to preach the word with boldness. You need not to ever water it down or get away from it. You need to manifest the word of God through preaching and you need to raise up godly people who will oversee the church and make sure that the false teachers are silenced and or removed. Can I get an amen to that? Any pastor who cannot stand up and address rebellion within the church or false teaching within the church should not be in the ministry. Now I want to tell you this, pastors, we don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, I get to go rebuke somebody today. Can't wait. That's not what we like to do, but we're called to do it. Can I get an amen? And false teaching comes, and, and even in this church, it can come in such a silent way. And you know, as the church gets larger, more people come, there will be people who come in and are seeking to, de- to find the new believers and draw them away to their way of belief. The reason there is a clear need to appoint elders, he recognized those God has called, and to place them in a position he has called them to is because there's a need for authority. Now, I told you that pastor means servant. And the number one attribute of a pastor should be the heart to serve you, to love you, to care for you, to minister to you. But as pastors, they're also given authority by God that must be taken seriously. And so if the pastor doesn't warn you of false teaching, who's going to? If the pastor doesn't address rebellion in the church, who's going to? And so there is a level of authority for the men of godly calling and character. It is necessary to give the church direction and to keep it focused on its true calling. And to deal with those who would distract the church from its calling. An example of such are given in the rest of the chapter. So it says those who are insubordinate. The word literally means unruly. Unruly. They're going to come into the church. They're one in rebellion. They will not receive sound doctrine, nor will they come under discipline. They have their own agenda. They don't want to come under anybody's authority. And they will go to war to get their agenda done. Nothing breaks my heart more. Look, we're all called to be under authority. Can we get an amen to that? My pastor in San Jose, one of the wisest men I've ever met, used to say, take them to the authority they will recognize. We had a dorm on the campus. This church was very large, thousands of people, and there was a dorm where a lot of people lived. And a guy in the dorm had stolen a bunch of stuff. He had crawled through the ceiling and got into the church office and stole a bunch of computers and stuff. And we caught him. Praise God for surveillance video. Can I get an amen? So he got caught, and the pastors went over there to, to, to address him. And we were very kind. We're like, bro, we got you on video give all the computers back, and move out, and we'll call it a day. We're willing to show you some grace. I know what you're talking about. Dude, is that not you right there? I know what you're talking about. So I went back to the senior pastor, and he goes, call the cops. Take him the authority he's going to have to recognize. Can I get an amen? If he won't recognize the authority in the church, we'll take him the authority he has to recognize. And the police came down took him out in handcuffs. And here's the reality is we need authority in our lives. Can I get an amen to that? I have authority in my life and I want it. The elders and pastors here, I'm accountable to every one of you and we need authority. Amen. And when someone says, I don't want anybody to speak into my life. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I'm going to live my life my own way. That's fine. But they're not going to continue to fellowship here. If they're drawing people away from the Lord, can I get an amen to that? And so we love you. We don't ever want to have to do that. But when somebody, when a wolf comes in, it's, it's the pastor's job to make sure that that wolf is muzzled. Can I get an amen? Hey, if we, if we let a bunch of rabid dogs loose in here right now, they would do some serious damage. Can I get an amen? But we would quickly get those dogs muzzled somehow. You know what does more damage than a rabid dog? A false teacher. Amen. When they preach a false gospel or they add to the gospel of Christ, and we'll talk, if you're trying to figure out what is he talking about, we'll get into some of that detail as we move on. Most often these people are divisive. They seek out those who are less learned and young in the faith to draw them away to their way of thinking. They often come to a healthy church with one purpose, to draw followers away after themselves. And so what happens is they come in with their own level of theology. And often they, they think they know better than everyone else. They're usually typically arrogant and then they will pull people aside and try to draw them away. And most of them are pretty sincere. They don't realize their tools of Satan. They certainly don't believe that they are, but what they're doing is drawing people away from the truth of the gospel. Again, for a pastor and elder to be effective in his calling, he must be able to discern or recognize such behavior and be willing and equipped to stand up against it. I want to say this. I'm not afraid to talk to anybody about anything, anytime. I'm not afraid to address something someone is teaching and do it in love. I'm happy to do that. What's amazing is usually when you go to address these people, they don't want any part of it. They don't really want to have a discussion with the pastor. They want to find people that don't know as much and draw them away. And usually they go into healthy churches because they can't plant a church themselves that will draw anybody. Can I get an amen to that? So they will find churches that are doing well and they'll come in again like wolves in sheep's clothing. But pastors unwilling to do so to turn a blind eye like a parent letting his children eat poison. There's no difference, right? Guys, if someone's teaching something that's wrong or is drawing people away or adding to the gospel and we don't stand up, it's like letting my kids eat poison and saying nothing about it. And again, it should be dealt with with a loving and gracious manner, but without compromise or partiality. When we address people who are dealing with things like this, we want to be loving, we want to be gracious, but we also want to not compromise one bit. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. God's word is the authority, period. And you know what? You don't need to hear my opinion. That would just be a waste of your time. So when, when I talk to people, it's like, here's what the word of God says. 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 You have a problem with it, take it up with the author. Amen? So not something a pastor, again, pastor enjoys doing. And again, here's the good news. Bringing discipline is not to destroy, it's to restore. We had a guy in our church, Years ago, up in Santa Cruz. And he was going through some difficulty with his family. And he had made a conscious choice to stop providing for his family because he thought his family was spending too much money. So he moved away into an RV and let all the electricity and everything in their house go dark and said, I'm not taking care of them because they spend too much money. So I met with them. I exhorted him. I'm not doing it. I don't care. We brought three pastors back, told them again. I'm not doing it. I don't care. So then we had to get in front of the whole church and say, this person no longer goes to church here and do not fellowship with this person until they repent. Do you think we like doing that? That kind of a fun Sunday? Not so much. But do you know what happened? He was away for a short period of time, ended up back in the offices at the church and said, what do I have to do to be back in fellowship? See, you cannot rebel against God and then just go to church and act like it's no big deal. Amen. Rebellion or fellowship, choose one. You can't have both. Amen. Do you know that to this day, I just saw him not too long ago when I was up in Santa Cruz. And you know what he said to me? That was the best thing anybody ever did to me. You know why? Because it's delivering them up, not for destruction, but for repentance. Amen. We still love them. We continue to pray for them, but you cannot walk in open rebellion, shake your fists at God, and then think you can just come to church and sit down and it's no big deal. Because reality is, if they can continue to have fellowship with God and walk in rebellion at the same time, they're not going to repent. Amen? I came to church, man. I had no idea I was going to get this today. Wow, okay. Sadly, most come in with an agenda, don't repent. They lash out and attack. They attack the pastor, which I'm fine with. There's roast pastor all the time. I'm used to it. But the reality is, and that's okay. And again, if you're called into ministry, God gives you thick skin. I'm, almost, I'm pretty much unoffendable. Why? Because it's not about me. I'm not worried about it. I love you guys, and I love the Lord. By the way, we have a six-word six philosophy of ministry at Calvary Chapel. You ready? Preach the word, love the people. There it is. I want you to be the best fed and most loved people on the planet. Amen. And that's, and that's how we focus ministry in this fellowship. I praise God we haven't had a lot of this in our church here yet. We've had some, we've dealt with it. And again, it doesn't take long for false teachers to arise in the early church. The church is 30 to 40 years old. That's it. Since Jesus rose from the dead and he said, go therefore into all the world. This is you know probably 80s, late 60s, early 70s. So it, it's, the church is young. And already you got false teachers coming in to the church. Now, one of the big Satan's biggest ploys is to get people to question, God given authority and to question the word of God. What did Eve, what did Satan say to Eve in the garden when he tempted her to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What did he say? Did God really say, did God really say you couldn't have that? And if he did say, it's only because he knows if you eat it, you'll be just like him. Well, Satan knew all about wanting to be just like God. How'd that work out? Can I get an amen? Thrown out of heaven. And here's what the enemy does. He wants you to question the word of God. He wants you to doubt what the word of God says. He wants you to be more in line with the culture. I just saw a pastor come out this week and he was all fired up and he's like, hey, it's 20, you know, it's 2021. 20, uh, it's time for us to catch up with the culture. We need to condone homosexual marriage. And we need to condone this. And go. I'm like, have you lost it? And this whole church was, ra- amen, amen. I'm like, wow, this guy's a wolf. Can I get an amen? Word of God is the final court of authority, not the opinions of men, and certainly not the culture that we live in. So they, beca- they can be insubordinate, you know, the unruly. I it says they're idle talkers. That means the word there literally is empty word. Empty boasters of knowledge. One who utters empty and senseless things. Words that have no eternal profit or significance. Give you uh, every angle of things but void of any real answers. I've been listening on radio and hear someone talk for 20 minutes. They haven't said anything of value. Nothing from the word of God. It's just an entertainment thing. And we see that in a lot of churches today. And we see that in the world today where they just blather on with nothing of value. By the way, the sentences usually start off with, I think, or I feel, or I believe. Not what God's word says. Amen? What I think, what I feel, what I believe is irrelevant. The word of God is the authority. Amen? Most times they raise questions of doubt. And have absolutely no answers. I call this the Oprah sin- syndrome. You watch Oprah. Oh, these people are Dr. Phil. They come on the show. They talk to him. Oh, you got this problem. You got this problem. You got this problem. Uh, I hope that works out. They have no answers. We have the answer. Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead. Amen. The answer for the, for the what ails you, the answer for the troubles of life is the Lord. So again, not our words, but his word that transforms lives and saves souls. So idle workers are in direct contrast when he said, hold fast to the word of God. Then he says, and deceivers. The one deceiver there is one who misleads or seduces the minds of others. Deceive both uh, themselves and the minds of the simple. The Bible talks about in the church that wheat and tares grow up together. Jesus gave that parable. You remember that? There's wheat and tares and they look exactly alike. But when the harvest time comes, the tares, you find out what the tares are and you find out what the real wheat is. And there's a lot of people that may go to church their entire life and they may appear like other Christians. But on judgment day, the wheat and the tares will be separated and these are the tares who come into any church. And again, the pastor is called to recognize them and remove them. Guys, you only will fall for a lie if you don't know the truth. Do you know every Sunday and Thursday, we're teaching you God's words, you'll fall more in love with the Lord. But we're also equipping you so that when the lie comes, or the false teacher comes, you recognize it. We want you to know the truth so you will not fall for the lie. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Praise the Lord. In a clear and direct contrast to the list of character traits of those who identify and been called by God, are the characteristic traits and the tools. Of the enemy. Rather than broken and submitted, they're rebellious and insubordinate and unruly. Instead of holding fast to the faithful word of God, they're idle talkers, filled with empty words who have no answers. And rather than leading others uh, with godly direction, they're deceivers who attempt to mislead people. False teachers are, re- are revealed both by their message and their motives. And then look what it says here, especially those of the circumcision. Who's he talking about? The Jews. Now, is are the Jews God's chosen people? What's the answer? Yes. Is Israel God? Is that Israel God's chosen land? What's the answer? God says, "Bless those who bless Israel, and curse those who curse Israel." Can I get an amen? That being said, in the early church, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, we met at a synagogue for a while. I got to know the rabbi. I love him. Good guy. I mean, I love him. I pray for him. Rabbi Ron, pray for him. But here's the reality: these of the circumcision would add. We're coming in and adding to the gospel. They're saying, oh, well, wait a minute. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross, but they were Jews before they got saved, so you got to go be circumcised. And you got to go keep the, the religious rites of, of Judaism, and then add Jesus to it, and then and only then will you be saved. The, these people are called the Judaizers. They were prevalent in the first century church. While professing to in Christians, instead of holding fast to the faithful word of God as they had been taught, they added to God's word their own rules and opinions. And again, the Judaizers here are those of the circumcision. So they're professing to be Christians, but just uh, as Virtually all the cults do today, the Judaizers add to the simple truth of God's word their own legalistic rules. So, in addition to repenting and receiving Jesus as your Savior, you must keep the Jewish law. When Jesus died on the cross, the last thing he said is to die, which means what? It is finished or paid in full. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Amen. He didn't say, hey, there's a good start. More rules coming. It's not what he said. He said, paid in full. He said, it is finished. Guys, Jesus paid it all. He took all of our sin upon himself. He suffered and died in our place so that we might have eternal life. He is a faithful, loving, gracious, and merciful God. In a sense, they had, so we're saying you first have to become a Jew before you can become a Christian, that the cross of Calvary alone was not enough. You know what this is? This is called legalism. And here's what legalism is. Legalism is making a personal conviction necessary for everyone else's salvation. And the Bible says the legalist is the weaker brother or sister. The legalists think they're more holy because they keep more rules. Oh, Pastor Dave, you have a television? I thought you were saved. You know, television's from the devil. I thought you were saved. God convicted me not to have a television. Anybody it has a television is going to hell. You're not, you're not saved. Television. Show me a Bible verse. Can I get a Bible verse? We need to be careful what we watch on television. Can I get an amen to that? But having a television, doesn't mean what we're adding to the gospel, it's called legalism. Some examples we see today, you must be baptized in our baptismal after getting discipled our way in our class, the church of Christ. You must be baptized in their baptismal or you're not saved and you're not saved until you get baptized, but you can't get baptized until you go through the class. And I met a coworker who was scared to death for months because he was going through the class. And he said, if I die before I get baptized, I'll go to hell. So I got to hurry up and get the class done. Um, Where did that come from? Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And today is the day of salvation. Amen? Amen. When you surrender your life to the Lord, he comes to rule and reign inside your life. He fills you with your Holy Spirit. You're born again. You're a new creation in Christ. And you have the promise of eternal life. Others make commands to maintain a certain diet. We met at a Seventh-day Adventist church for years in Santa Cruz. And when we'd have agape feast, we could not have... Well, at least we a lot of... They, no meat, because they're vegetarians. And of course, vegetarians are the only ones going to heaven and vegans, right? No. Rise, kill, and eat. Thank you, Jesus, Acts chapter 10. Can I get an amen? The, all the sacrifices that were made unto the Lord, they weren't burning broccoli. Can I get an amen to that? But people have this mentality that... And by the way, the Bible says the weaker brother eats only vegetables. So God bless you guys. But I'm just saying it's in the Bible. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but there are people that, uh, that you must meet on a specific day. Got to meet on Saturday. That's the real Sabbath. Don't you know that's the real Sabbath. That's the command of God. It's one of the 10 commandments on the Sabbath. The early church met on Sundays. I wonder why, what happened on Sunday? Jesus rose from the dead. Can I get an amen? And then the Bible says, let every man be convinced in his own, man and we, own mind, and we can meet on every day. By the way, we meet on Thursday night too. Is that okay? Yeah. We can worship the Lord any day we want. Amen? But see, what happens is, somebody will have a personal conviction that's, con- that's extra biblical, and if that's your conviction, you be faithful to it. But when you make it everyone else's requirement for salvation, then you've become a legalist. Amen? There are those who say you must fulfill certain religious rights. Some of you may have come out of a church like this. You need to be baptized as an infant. You need to take your first holy communion. You need to go through confirmation classes and be confirmed. You need to go to confession and then make repent and then make penance. You need to have your last rites and then you need to be prayed out of purgatory to get into heaven. Here's the di- reality none of that's in the Bible. Amen. None of that's in the a- Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Amen? And the reality is we fall into the trap of being religious instead of having a relationship with the Lord. And religion is often created by man. Sadly, many millions today are putting their faith in man-made legalistic rites and rituals instead of Jesus Christ. I have a friend. I'm I'm so baffled by this. He was a Calvary Chapel youth pastor. We used to work together uh, back in the 80s and 90s. And he contacted me recently and he goes, yeah, I'm I'm a Catholic now. And I'm like, I don't, why? (laughs) Now, I believe within the Catholic church, there are some people who are going to heaven. Can I get an amen? But not because of the Catholic church, in spite of the Catholic church. And my pastor, Dave's ripping on the Catholics. No, look, anybody who adds to the cross of Calvary needs to be corrected. Can I get an amen? And when I talk to people, their faith is in their church. Our faith is not in our church. We are the church. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. Christ alone. The Catholic church, the Episcopalian church, the Baptist church, and Calvary Chapel did not die on the cross for you. Jesus Christ did. Amen. We put our hope, we put our faith in the Lord, not in a denomination, not in a building or anything else. Amen. Jesus alone. Christ alone. By the way, we're not going to have denominations in heaven. Amen? There's no Baptist section in heaven. which should be in the back of the church, by the way. I grew up, I got saved in a Baptist church, man. All the back chairs fill up first. Jesus is the answer. Do you have a relationship with him? Do you know him? Is he your best friend? Do you spend time with him every day? Can you talk to him? Do you open up his word to learn more about him? Because you knowing him better is to love him more. Do you seek him for direction? Are you putting your faith in some rite or some ritual? I walked an aisle, I prayed a prayer and I got baptized. Those are wonderful things, but salvation doesn't come through rites and rituals. It comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's an area of legalism that is prevalent in the church today. And all of these are okay. But what happens is people get fired up about it and we wanna make our conviction the convictions of others. Here's what it is, how you educate your kids. If If you're not homeschooling, you're not saved. I think homeschooling is a wonderful option. I really do. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. My daughter homeschools my four grandsons. I'm, I'm, I'm good with homeschooling. That's great. And that's your calling and your conviction that by all means do it. Can I get an amen? amen? But when you start looking down at everybody else's homeschool, oh, you don't homeschool. Oh, you send your kids to the devil for their education. Okay. <laughs> amen. My wife and I chose to send our kids through Christian school. We loved Christian school because we loved having coaches and teachers that loved the same God we did and that taught them the same way at at school that we did at home. And so what if I came and said, well, if you don't have your kids in Christian school, you're of the devil. Well, no, that's not right either. Can I get an amen to that? By the way, most Christian schools are expensive. Not everybody can afford to do it, even those who might like to. Amen. Then you have people who say, "Well, wait a minute, if you were really saved, you want your kids in public school because they need to be salt and light and fulfill the great commission. And if they're homeschooling, they'll you know, be kids walking around, holding on to a rope because they don't know how to get around anywhere. Amen. <laughs> they'll be the kids who don't have any friends and can't socially function. We know that's not true. <laughs> Amen. But if you can't put your kids in public school, well, then they're going to be the salt and light and they'll share their faith with people. And we need to make sure we got as many Christians on it. The- Guys. Whatever God convicts you to do with your family, you do that and be convinced. Can I get an amen to that? And then it's not my job to tell you the choice you made is wrong. Amen. Amen. Be convinced in your own mind. So that's where we, so again, diet, sources of entertainment, how people dress, the style of their hair. I was a youth pastor in San Jose and this girl came in with purple hair and the kids started giving her a hard time. And I'm like, Dude, relax. Who cares? Man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. Can I get an amen to that? We need to love people, be kind, be gracious, be merciful and not be caught up in what you know we think. Our personal convictions are make it a prerequisite for everyone else. Well, these guys, we're adding to the gospel and they're adding additional standards to be saved. And again, and most certainly not, we're not, we're not even saved themselves, potentially. So, just how were the pastors to respond to these rebellious, unsubmitted, empty talking deceivers and legalists, those who are either added to the faithful word of God or replaced it with their own? Look at verse 11. Whose mouths must be stopped. Well, that's not very sensitive, that's not very politically correct. How dare you silence someone else's opinion? You can have your opinion anywhere you want, not here. If it's contrary to the word of God, we're going to call you aside and love on you in Jesus' name and say, yeah, that ain't working here. Can I get an amen to that? If somebody comes to your kids and tells them, you know what, drugs are awesome. You should totally try them, man. They're great. Matter of fact, I'll give you some for free. I think dad's pounding that guy on the way out the front door. Can I get an amen? We protect our children from poison, amen? Amen. And the same is true with the word of God. If someone is teaching a false gospel, if they're telling you, well, that's not enough. You got to be circumcised too. And you got to have this diet and you got to keep our rules and our rights. And if you don't and be baptized in our baptismal after you take our six month discipleship class, and if you don't do all of this, you're not really saved. And the pastor's here, they're all wrong. They don't get it. And you need to come find the better way. That person needs to be silenced. Can I get an amen? That's what the Bible says. His mouth must be. Be stopped. The little translation is put a muzzle on him. Amen. To shut those up. And again, I'm not afraid of what they're teaching. I'm happy to have them talk to me about it. I'm happy to have them talk to Pastor Joshua or someone else in our church that's spiritually mature. Where I'm concerned is they can stumble people who may not even know the Lord yet. And so we need to make this a, a place that is safe for you to become, to be taught the word of God, to worship the Lord, and to grow in your relationship with him. Again, sometimes people do this in ignorance. They draw people away, but they need to be dealt with. Again, this is the very thing. You know, when you remove the the wolf from the sheep, he gets angry because a wolf wants to be near the sheep. Amen. The wolf wants to feed on the sheep. And when he is removed from the sheep, he's not going to be happy about it. Look, we're not to apologize for the gospel. We're also not to apologize for those who are attacking the word of God and preaching a false gospel. Again, we get enough of people preaching their false gospel outside of church. We don't need it here. Can I get an amen to that? False teachers can do more to harm a church than a pack of rabid dogs let loose in here. Because what the dogs would do is a physical consequence. False teachers can bring about something that will impact your eternity. I had a guy at our church in Santa Cruz and he came up to me after a while and he said, well, this is my position. I think if you're a good pastor, you would let everybody get up and share all their positions and then people can figure out what they wanna believe. I said, so we're gonna bring the Muslims in here and the Mormons in here and the, you know, why don't we just have ISIS come on and have a recruiting trip at our (laughs) church. And we're just gonna get up there and let them teach a bunch of false stuff and then you can try to figure out what the truth is. No, you know what we're gonna do? We're just gonna give you the truth. Can I get can you get an amen? I had teachers that gave, you know, I pray look, pray for our high school and college students. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you don't think you're getting indoctrinated with lies sometimes, just take a look. If you've had a philosophy class in college, you've been lied to. Can I get an amen to that? My first day of philosophy class at Cabrillo College in 19, uh, you know, <laughs> 1982, long before many of you were born. But my philosophy teacher got up in class and said, there is no absolute truth. And anybody who who believes in absolute truth is an ignoramus. And if any of you believe in absolute truth, I dare you to stand up. And it happened to be game day and I had a jersey on, so I stood up. And it was a class with maybe 300 people. And he goes, oh, the big dumb jock in the back is going to tell us what truth is. Go ahead. And I said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus is the truth. Amen? So, guys, here's the reality we are going to be taught lies. We are going to have people that try to convince us of things that are not true. We're not afraid to address them if we're spiritually mature. I'm not afraid to talk to somebody like my philosophy teacher. I have no problem with that. But what I don't want to do is let them loose on somebody who's not very spiritually mature or isn't saved yet and have them drawn away from the Lord. Does that make sense? Are you Christians afraid to have a debate? No, I'll debate anybody in time. I'm ready. Let's go. They, they knock on my door. We talk. Can I get an amen? They knock on my door, we talk. I don't invite them to teach on Sunday. <laughs> Does that make sense? We grasp in it. Again, because we live in such a politically correct world, it's like, well, everybody should be able to give their opinion. Uh, yeah, not here. Not in my house. Can I get an amen? It's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Again, we're not afraid to hold up any belief To the light of scripture, we're not afraid to have God's word examined under or held under a microscope. But the pastor must protect the sheep from potential harm, idle words, and divisiveness of the false teachers. Notice what it says there. It says there in verse. Wow. Sorry, guys. My Bible blew when my thing blew off. I'm back in Timothy again. Whose mouths must be soft, it says, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they not, ought not. So, why are they, many of them motivated? Some of them are motivated because they actually believe it's the truth, because they, they they've been taught a lie, they bought it, and now they're headed to, uh, to hell without the Lord because they're believing a lie. And then there's others, it says, the end of verse 11, for the sake of dishonest gain. You mean some people are involved with religion to try to make money? No. Watch religious television sometimes. And what do you see a lot of? It's all about naming and claiming, it, grabbing it and blab it, believe it and achieve it. Just go out in your, part, in your front of your house and say, Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac. Fry, fry, fry. I name it, I claim it, I claim it, I claim it. What a bunch of nonsense. You know, the Lord will give us what we, what we need, not what we want. Can I get an amen? And we don't cry. He's not the Holy Santa Claus in the sky. He's the savior on the cross of Calvary. Can I get an Amen. Who's risen and living and triumphed over sin and death. They're teaching things they ought not to teach. Teaching the things that are contrary to the simple and clear truth of the word of God. Drawing people away from the truth. And they do it. The characteristic of one who's truly called to be a pastor is he's not greedy for money. And it's a primary focus of many false teachers. There's some televangelists I watch. I think this looks like a Saturday Night Live skit. This doesn't even look real. Could anybody possibly believe this nonsense? One of them was a guy named Robert Tilton. And I thought, no, nobody really believe, come on, nobody. And then I found out in one year, he had had $80 million in in giving that he collected, preaching the nonsense. Guys, here's the deal. People need Jesus. Can I get an amen? People are looking for the truth. So what does Satan do? He brings something that sounds a lot like the truth that's a lie. So he can draw people away. Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. So what are we called to do? Preach the truth with boldness and shut the mouths of the liars. Can I get an amen? And people get upset when I call people out. You, how dare you pick on poor Robert Tilton. He was out on his jet, flying in his jet somewhere probably right now. The guy needs Jesus. Can I get an amen? He's a false teacher drawing people away. I don't want people feeding poison of my kids. And I don't want people preaching false truths. Again, behind this pulpit. Amen. Then he says there in verse 12. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. One of their own, a person who lived there, a person who was a part of their fellowship, or you know, part of their their group of people. He basically said of his own people, his name was Epim- Epimendes. He considered to be one of the seven wise men of Greece called his own people, liars, beasts, and gluttons. Have you ever noticed how you can call your own names, but you don't like it when someone else does it? I used to make fun of Santa Cruz. I grew up there. It's the tofu tie-dye new age lesbian capital of the United States. That's where it is. <laughs> I grew up there. I can talk bad about where I grew up. but if someone from the outside talks bad about your place, you get upset. Well, this guy literally was saying again, they're incurable liars. They're evil beasts. They're lazy gluttons. And to be a Cretan was to be uh, equated with being lazy, a liar and a glutton and a cheater. And so when someone called someone a Cretan. It was, it had become a curse word. It was heavy. Now Watch. What is, what is Paul going to say to Timothy about the Cretans? Oh, you should defend them. No, here's what he says. Look at verse 13. This testimony is true. They are Cretans. They are liars. They are gluttons. They are uh, evil beasts. That's what they are. By the way, we're all sinners in need of a savior. Can I get an amen? There's none righteous, no, not one. We all need the Lord. We're all in desperate need of forgiveness. It only takes one sin to be a sinner, amen? And all have sinned and fallen short of glory of God. So what he's saying is, yeah, these people, they're bad news. Now, whenever someone plants a church, it's always true, almost always true, usually when they're early on. You'll talk to them, we'll go, where do you plant a church? Oh, I'm planting in Omaha, Nebraska. It's the worst place in the world to plant a church. It's the hardest place in the world to reach people because everybody there already goes to church and they think they're all saved. Then you, you, you know, you're in line at the pastor's conference getting food. The guy behind you, where are you? Oh, dude, I'm in upstate New York. It's the worst place in the world to plant a church because nobody there goes to church and nobody wants anything to do with it. And everybody thinks where they are is the toughest ground. Uh, Titus might've been right. They are evil. The place was wicked and they needed the Lord. It's refreshed. I love the candor of Paul. He simply says, Yeah, it's pretty true. They're bad news over there. I know you're pastoring the church there. That's why I'm praying for you, Titus. I know it's a mess over there. Got a bunch of, bunch of knuckleheads that you need to reach with the gospel. They're corrupt. They produce vile, evil people. It's a, a culture dominated by corruption. And when people heard Crete and they thought corruption. Every culture has its own problems. By the way, do you know that Americans are identified in certain ways when you go to a foreign country? Do you know this? I was in Russia. One of the times I went, they lost all my clothes on the plane and it was below zero outside. That's a bad thing. So all I had was the clothes that I wore on the plane. So I had to buy a Russian hat, Russian coat, Russian pants, and Russian boots. Not quite Levi's, okay? But I'm wearing them and I'm walking with a bunch of Russian students. And the guy's speaking Russian to all the students that go by, and I've got a, the hat on, I've got my collar up, I'm you know I'm wearing Russian stuff. I get within ten feet of him, he goes, "Hey, my brother, Americansky." <laughs> I'm like, "How the heck does he know I'm American? I'm not even talking. What's up?" And I walked up and I go, "Bro, I'm wearing a Russian hat, Russian boots, Russian jacket, Russian jeans. How am I?" He goes, "Dude, you walk like you own the place." <laughs> All you Americans do. Russians often are very like this, and we're like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> we get we had a bunch of youth group kids, and we'd get on the we'd get on the metro, and man, everybody's sitting there reading their books with their head down, and we're, "Hey, what's up? Oh, yeah. High five. And They say, you know, they say Americans they create a lot of stuff, and man, they're loud. <laughs> Amen. We're not the quietest group. So the culture on Crete was that they were evil and corrupt. And you know what they need? The same thing we all do. They need Jesus. Amen? So here's what he says. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Paul didn't tell Titus, hey, you know what? They're a bunch of knuckleheads. Go find another place to plant a church. Hey, those people are difficult. They're no good. The ground is too hard. Get out while you can. By the way, California needs Jesus. And a lot of us are running from the building like it's And Some of you are looking at houses in Montana right now. (laughs) Or Arizona or Texas or some other red state. Can I get an amen? And a lot of people want to run. Now, if God calls you to go, then go. God bless you. But make sure you're being led by this Holy Spirit, not moved by your circumstances, because we need Christians to stay here and be salt and light here. Can I get an amen to that? He didn't tell Titus to leave Crete. He told him to minister to the Cretans. Amen? Stay there. Love on them. Preach the truth to them. You stay and be faithful, because there's no city and there's no person that's beyond the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. The Paul, Paul wrote this letter and he was on his way to kill Christians when he got knocked off his high horse, had a head on collision with Jesus Christ and became the apostle Paul who was used by God to write most of the New Testament. Guys, no one's beyond salvation. Amen? Anyone can be saved, but we need to be ministering to them. No matter how bad it looks, God is great enough and he's greater than any level of wickedness on this planet. And I know, and you know, we call our, again, Californians, we call ourselves California. We rip on our own, our own state because we can. Amen. Guess what? Does California need revival? And it needs to start in the believers, doesn't it? Amen. Let's finish up. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. Not giving heed. The word fable there is myths. Uh, It's the word's muthos where we get the word myths. Judaizers would add to the simplicity of the gospel. Well, yeah, Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus the 252 laws of the Old Testament. And then, not the commandments of men. This is false doctrine and men's opinions. Commands that come from men and not from God, who turn people away from the truth. There's but one way, one truth, one gospel, one answer, one hope, and one celebrity in Christianity, and his name's Jesus Christ. Amen? Muhammad's dead. Ari Krishna is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. We can dig up their bones. Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Guys, we need to turn people toward the truth. We need to share the truth. And guys, we need to live it out loud that they see it in us. Verse 15 says, to the pure, all things are pure. But those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. It's not a proclamation that some have followed that it's that, that, well, someone said to me using this verse, he came up to me and said, well, I'm pure. So everything I do is pure. This is in Santa Cruz. And he said, so I've been talking to my Christian brothers that I can look at all the porn I want because that's just my flesh and I'm saved. So I'm just pure and watching porn. <laughs> yeah. You want to teach next Thursday? You want to come on up and share that with him? No, <laughs> that's not what that means. When you take a text out of context, all you got left is a a con. I'm like, bro, that's not what this text is about. He's telling him to be pure. The context is not to fall into the trap of adding Jewish fables and the commandments of men to the simplicity of the gospel. We're no longer under the Old Testament law. You know, again, you know what the biggest one of the biggest debates was is what you were eating. They still wanted them to eat kosher. They still wanted to eat according to the old covenant diet. And they're saying, if you're eating these other things, you are outside of God's will. So they're adding diet to the belief in Jesus Christ. What God has cleansed, let no man call unclean. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles us, but what comes out of our mouth that defiles us. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Well, I'm a Christian, but God's given me liberty. And my liberty is that I can do these X, Y, Z sins and it's okay. No, it's not. Here's the reality. If you've been born again, you're not going to want to do it because when you do it, you're going to be convicted. Can I get an amen to that? You know how you know you're saved? When you do it, you feel bad about it. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you took him with you and he's having none of it. Amen? And he's bringing... Holy Spirit head slap. Can I get an amen? Those who are defiled, nothing is pure. The legalist hasn't fully grasped the grace of God. There's God's grace. He paid it all. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He who knows me best loves me most. He knows every wicked vile thing you've ever said, done, or thought, things that nobody else knows about you. He knows it, and he loves you anyway. That's called grace. Can I get an amen? And he paid for all of it on the cross. Finally, last verse. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. They profess to know Christ, but in their works, they deny him. The legalists claim to know God and walk with God, but their conduct reveals something completely different. Paul's point that while legalists' rituals do not prove that there is a relationship, they can strain in a gnat and still be lost. There's a lot of people that that say they do so much for the Lord, and they'll be the first ones to tell you, by the way, these are all things I do for the Lord. They just call me camel knees because I pray 12 hours a night. You sleep, I pray. I meditate on the word day and night. You know, I've got a blog, I've got this, I've got that. I do all these things for the Lord. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. It's not how much of God's word you know, but how much of God's word you obey that reveals spiritual maturity. Can I get an amen to that? It's not just knowing what the Bible says, but are you living it out loud? Sound faith and godly behavior, and that's that's what will happen. By your fruit, they shall know you. And you can't say, well, I deny him. If you deny him by your actions, your works do show... The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness. Amen? You want to see someone who's spiritually mature? They're loving. They're kind. They're gracious. They're self controlled. They have a heart and a burden for the loss. It says there, they're disobedient. The word there means beyond persuasion. You can't change their minds. Can't change their minds says they're disqualified from every good work because they have turned themselves over to a reprobate mind. A reprobate means not standing the test, not approved. Again, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. If you've truly given your life to the Lord, it will be evident in your behavior. The word reprobate there is used to describe a counterfeit coin or a cowardly soldier who failed in battle or a candidate who, who was rejected for elected office. False teachers talk a good game their actions prove other, otherwise. I used to say when I played sports, you'd have these guys that could put on all the gear, but they were all hat and no cattle. You know what that means? Once they got on the field, not so much. They look good in the bus, look good in the locker room. There's a lot of Christians that look great at church, but how do we live when we go out there? Because the real test is not who we are when we're hang, just hanging on a bunch of Christians but who we are when we go out into a lost and dying world, out into our mission field. When you walk off of this campus, I want you to think about. I'm going to get a sign made. I'm going to put it at the bottom of the hill. You are now entering your mission field. Can I get an amen? amen. As soon as you walk off this campus, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to your neighborhood, when you're around other people, that is your mission field. We are called to be salt and light, to love people unconditionally to point them to the loving, gracious Savior who died on the cross so we might have eternal life. Amen? And we should not be keeping it to ourselves. So in closing, getting the church in order, we saw by preaching God's word last week, by proclaiming it with boldness. Uh, We saw by raising up godly pastors and leaders. And then finally, by bringing, by silencing the false teachers. Guys, I'm thankful we haven't had a lot of that. I'm thankful that we as a body have been pretty unified, but I want you to be rest, rest assured if that comes along, I promise you it will be dealt with in love and in grace with the hope that we can illuminate truth to those people. But I promise you, we will not let wolves run amok without dealing with it. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for your word. I know this was not a, an easy thing for people to hear today, but Lord, we'd send your word for a reason. And Lord, we need to, be faithful, to preach your word and do it in love. We should be the most loving, kind and gracious people on the planet because we're filled with your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to love people the way you love them, to see them the way you see them. And at the same time, if somebody comes and they, are, they have an agenda, they're trying to draw people away from the truth to a lie. I pray you would reveal them and in kindness and graciousness, I pray we can address them. And I pray that when we do, that they would turn their eyes to you. They would walk away from this false teaching they've been caught up in. And I pray for all of us, that we would know the word of God well enough. We'd spend enough time in your word that when something that is false is taught, we would recognize it right away because we know the truth. Lord, we're thankful that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're thankful, Lord, that you love us so much you'd rather die than live without us. We're thankful, Lord, that you have forgiven us if we have confessed our sin. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. If you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, the Bible says let today be the day of salvation. The Lord loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. He suffered as if you lived your life so you could be rewarded as if you lived his. The Bible says if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Now look, Making that confession today, if your life doesn't change, it means nothing. But if you're ready and you recognize, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven. If that's your heart right now, I just want you to raise your hand right where you are and I'll pray for you, anybody at all. Let today be the day of salvation, to surrender your life to the Lord, to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We ask these things in your holy, your precious name, we pray. And all God's people said.